0: All right, good morning, everyone. It's good to be here, even though we did as much as we can not to be here. But God was like, nope, this is what you guys are doing. So we're here. Um, so, yeah, like Jenny said, this is our last Sunday here. And about a month ago, I think Jonathan called us. And, you know, he already knew we were heading out. So and he was like, hey, it'd be nice to hear something from you guys. And we're like, uh, no, <laughs> we don't want to, but. Um, and Abdelia will talk a little bit more about it um, there 's actually a story behind it, which is pretty cool how you know God moves um, so yeah we 'll get started. Um, the layout 's going to be a little different um, we 're going to be sharing mainly our testimony um, but we 're going to be starting a new series uh, focusing on bluemont 's core values and we 're going to wrap around our testimony around one of the main, one of the core values which is join generations go farther um, So, yeah, we'll have Abdullia pray, and then we'll get started.
1: Uh, Dear God, we invite your Holy Spirit in this room, God. Uh, We pray that you touch at least one person's life as we're going to be sharing our story, God. And just for everyone to witness the goodness of you, how loving, how faithful of a God and of a father you are to all of us, God. We pray for open hearts. We pray for open minds. And just people to receive our this message today, in Jesus' name, amen.
0: And we brought our faithful tissues just in case. Okay, so I was raised in the small town of Garden City, uh, which is southwest Kansas. I know a lot of you are, know of the place or are from there. I am the second youngest of six. I have four sisters and one brother. Growing up, my family attended church quite often. My mother is really involved with the church, so I was familiar with God and who Jesus was. Even though I attended church quite often, I did not get much of it. It was more of a tradition or, you know, just to please my parents. My dad passed away when I was just a little boy at the age of 12. I looked up to my father. He worked two, sometimes three jobs just to get us, our family by. After his long days of work, he managed to come home and find enough energy to hang out with me. His loss left an enormous hole in my heart. So after that, my dad, after that, um, I was missing a father figure in my life, someone who would teach me how to do life, what to do when troubles arise, someone I could play with or just hang out. My brother, who is seven years older than I am, at the time was a young adult. He was around 17 years old, I mean 19, I think. Um, I thought he was the coolest, of course. I didn't even think that he was also dealing with the loss of his father, along with all the other teenage drama. I looked up to him, and I wanted to be just like him. So I ask him constantly if he wanted to play ball or just hang out. I would get a not now or maybe later, but I was persistent. There would be times where he would give in, and, you know, we would hang out for a little bit. Well, one day I remember asking him to hang out and was received with a smack across my head. He told me he didn't have time to play with little kids. My heart was torn. I felt unwanted. I felt unworthy of having a father figure in my life. I vowed to never ask him for anything in my life, and and we Latinos really know how to hold a a grudge. So we spent years... Uh, hardly saying a word to one another. So let's fast forward to high school. So I was never the party type of guy. My friends would occasionally ask me to go to a party. I would give in sometimes and just do it just to please them. At these parties, I would I would be offered alcoholic drinks um, and even drugs at times, but I refused to take any. That all changed after graduating high school when I broke up with my girlfriend up to over two years. I started hanging out with a group of friends who enjoyed the party scene. I decided to try new things, so I gave in to this way of living. We would party almost every weekend, drinking, drinking, smoking weed, sexual immorality, and everything that came with the party scene. It was an attempt to fill the void that I felt so deeply in my heart. This was changing who I was, disconnecting me from true friendships and relationships, even my own family. I was being selfish, only thinking about myself, wanting to do the things that were pleasing to me. Eventually, all of this would come to an end because God had a different plan. On New Year's of 2012, I was driving while intoxicated and was pulled over by the city police. I was taken in but was released that same night. Of course, that didn't stop me from doing what I thought at the time was pleasing a few miles down the road, a group of friends and I were drinking um, in our car outside a skating ring, not knowing an undercover cop was parked right behind us. Soon, he tapped on the window asking us to come out, but somehow only gave me a citation. Now I had two cases to, atten- uh, to attend court for. Because of this, the state decided to suspend my driver's license, and at the time I was attending the community college and garden and had a part-time job. I had to get to school and work somehow, so I continued driving without a license. About a month later, I was pulled over by a police officer. And since my license was suspended, this time it landed me a place in a jail cell. Even though I only spent a week there, it felt like an eternity. An eternity that gave me the opportunity to think about the choices that I have been making recently. The life that I was living was not the life that I wanted, but this time I had dropped out of college. I knew I had to make some changes. So some months have gone by, and one of my friends invited me to go to a Christian church. I was hesitant at first, but I finally decided to go. Once there, the presence of God for the first time, I felt the presence of God for the first time in my life. It was an overwhelming feeling of joy and happiness. I felt loved. God was speaking to me, letting me know what it felt to truly be loved by him. I wanted more of it. I started attending church more often, not knowing what to do next, until one day a service was sending. The pastor made an altar call, and I knew God was calling me to it. That day, I decided to give my life to Christ. And months later, I got baptized. During this time, I had started back at the community college and through some dedication, finally graduated. I had applied at K-State and got accepted. Things were looking up now. So it was 2015 when I moved up to Manhattan um, to start my K-State career. I immediately got connected with the CTG and Blumoff family. I say family because that is exactly how it feels. You're accepted but are also held accountable to a higher level of living, especially when it comes to discipleship. This was huge for me because back home I didn't really get to experience real discipleship. I remember John Griffith really pouring into my life. He would invite me over for breakfast. We would go out to the old stadium, play soccer, or just come over and watch a soccer game on TV. But it wasn't all fun and games, of course. We began doing a Bible study um, and going over the kingdom living books. Um, and that's when God really started working all of my gunk out. God began to show me how a true disciple of Christ lived. The sacrifices that came through being a believer. God began to work on my character. I remember one, one time at Best Buy um, where I almost got terminated. Um, I started Best Buy when I moved up here. Probably a month later, uh, Best Buy had really had a, a pretty strict attendance policy. They had a three strikes you're out kind of thing, and I was on my third strike. I was, I mean, I was freaking out, I needed, I needed this income, you know, I needed to pay my rent and groceries, everything, and I couldn't afford to lose this job. I remember talking to John about this, and he really, really spoke truth into me. He told me that being a disciple wasn't just... It was also... Being a disciple included being the best I can everywhere, and that included my job. Until then, I I always separated my job and church. So that kind of... Every time I went to work, I was, wasn't really motivated. But this perspective changed my way of thinking. And of course... Um, so after a few weeks, because uh, the store manager wasn't there, and she was the only she was the one ultimately the one that made the decision if I was terminating or not. But thankfully, she met me with mercy. Instead of terminating me, she decided to wipe my attendance record and had me start fresh. And boy, was I thankful! I repented from the way of thinking, um, and from then on, like going to work, I looked for opportunities to to serve and to minister to my coworkers or even uh, customers. And so the same way that John and uh, poured into my life, I wanted to do for others. I wanted to be a disciple maker. And God gave me this opportunity when I met, ironically, John, which went by little John, who was a student at Kansas State working on his master's. Huh? And yes, he's a He's from China. Thankfully, he also enjoyed soccer, so it was easy to, you know, go hang out and go to the old stadium, pick up a game of soccer. Um, But I also invited him over for dinner or lunch. He really enjoyed quesadillas. Slowly, I started introducing him to Jesus. He started coming to church and soon began a Bible study group. God really began to work in his life and soon after decided to give his life to Christ and get baptized. And actually, just a few months ago, I, get, I got to stand next to him on his wedding day. So God has used many people in my life to help me on my walk with Christ. I now know that I am worthy of having a father. Psalm 68.5 says, He is a father to the fatherless, is God in his holy habitation. Our father who loves us and never forsakes us found out that god wanted to be my father god of all creation wanted to love on me and teach me god has also redeemed my me and my past and he's redeemed the relationship with my brother who stood by my side as my best man at my wedding so that's just a little bit of my testimony and Abdullah is going to share hers now
1: i should say that he didn't want to share his story um, all the way up to yesterday, he was like, babe, I think you should just uh, be the one talking and I'll be standing next to you. <laughs> like, nope. <laughs> um, His story gets me every time, especially he's been prophesied that he's going to be a father for the fatherless. So we're believing in that. Um, huh. Well, I think you already got a sense that I cry a lot. <laughs> That's why I'm sure I brought this. Um, so like Richie said, uh, we really did everything we could not to be here today. Um, if you guys remember, back in October, we were going through uh, the Living Waters uh, series. And at that time, God put in my mind that I will be sharing my full testimony at Bluemont before we left. Of course, I was like, oh, we'll see. <laughs> Um, So this was back in October. It's crazy because that same day as we were leaving church in the car, Richie asked me, have you ever considered sharing your testimony? I was like, shut up. (laughs) No, like it was crazy to see that God was not only talking to me, but speaking to him too about the same manner. So time went forward and it was a few weeks, maybe about a month ago. That we were here, and during worship, God reminded me of it. He was like, hey, I haven't forgotten about it. Do you remember I told you to share your testimony? And I was like, "Uh, yes, but I don't want to. (laughs) And I told him, if you really want me to share this, you're going to bring the mic to me. I'm not going to go out of my way and be like, hey, Jonathan, I would like to share my testimony. Of course, I didn't tell anything to Richie. Like, that just happened, and I was like, "Ah, I don't think nothing is going to happen. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Two days later, Jonathan called us. And um, we were busy, so he left a voicemail. So we were in bed when Richie played the voicemail, and sure enough, he was like, hey, guys, I know you guys are leaving, so I was wanting to see... If you would like to take a Sunday before you leave and just share your story and share with us what God is doing in your lives. I panicked. I was like, oh, shoot, this is really happening. (laughs) So I then told Richie, hey, like, literally, it was like two days ago, so it was a Sunday and a Tuesday he called. And I was like, on Sunday, I told God that he needed to bring the mic to me for me to share my testimony. And I think he's doing it. Of course, I was still like, no, I don't think I need to do that. Like, I can talk about something else, but now my full story. Um, just thinking, like, I'm leaving. So, like, if there's anyone that I can help, I'm, I'm not going to be able to because I'm not going to be here anymore. So trying to find people to support that idea, I went and asked different people. And, of course, all of them were like, no, you should do it. Um, So I had said yes i was like fine i'll do it and then the whole situation with reagan happened um when we heard the news i told richie i'm not gonna share that like until reagan is back because she needs to be here in person because she's a big part of my testimony so on tuesday jonathan called again like hey guys i haven't found anyone to do anything on sunday can you guys please step in Oh, my goodness, I feel so bad. (laughs) But I was like, nope. (laughs) Um, So the next day, Richie told him, like, we'll pray about it, and we'll let you know tomorrow. So Wednesday morning, he texted us, and I was waiting for Richie to reply because I had told him that I didn't want to do it. So all this time, I had, you know, like I kept telling the hops, if there's anything that I can do to help, please let me know. I was in the lab, and God really... Touch me, and he was like, you know, like you've been telling them that you can do anything that you can like to help, and he's asking for help. So I was like, oh my goodness, but like I meant help anything else, but not this. <laughs> uh, so long story short, I called Richie. He didn't answer, so I texted Jonathan privately, and I was like, we'll do it. I don't know what we're gonna be teaching or preaching or talking about, but we'll do it. So all this week, after I had said yes. I was still like, no, we'll see what we do about, or what we're going to be sharing. Well, I met with Anna Hap, I talked to Richie. I talked to my spiritual mom, Rhonda. And all of them were like, you should do your testimony. I was like, oh, goodness. So here we are. (laughs) Um, I cry a lot. I would like to blame it on hormones, but that's just how I am. (laughs) And I shall say that this is the first time that I'm sharing my full story here. Um, I've done it in small groups. I've done it at Women's Restore, but never at church. So we can start with Psalm 32, 1-2. I really think that this Bible verse (laughs) summarizes my story. What happiness to those whose guilt has been forgiven. What joy when sins are covered over. What relief for those who have, been confe- who have confessed their sins, and God has cleared their records. So I grew up with three brothers and both of my parents, always being overprotected and surrounded by love as the only girl and almost the baby in my family. We were raised in a Catholic home, and at least for me, everything was more about tradition than really having a personal relationship with God. If I need a prayer, I will go to the priest and ask for help, having the belief that he could intercede for me. Having said that, my life as a growing up and even in the teenag- teenage years seriously consisted of being an obedient daughter, exiling student, meaning getting only A's. And always making everything I could to please my parents, which included participating at everything I could at church. Moving forward, oh, I should say that I'm from Southwest Kansas too, from Liberal. Moving forward, um, moving to Manhattan, Kansas to attend college was very difficult. Being away from home with no family or any relatives nearby. Within a couple of months later, after living in Manhattan, I met a guy. We started dating, and he and my schoolwork became my everything. In order to be with him, I distanced myself from anything that had to do with God. He was from a real different religion, and he wasn't allowed to date me. Man. Um, so I distanced myself from not only God, but even from my friends, the friends that I had a, uh, built here, as well as my own family, but no, not going home as often. I thought all I needed was him. Long story short, we had sex. I thought he was the man that I would marry one day. And within a few months, I found myself pregnant. I had just started my college career. My parents didn't even know that I had become sexually active. (sighs) I couldn't believe the disappointment I would bring to them, the entire family. All the works and sacrifices my parents had made for me to attend college had been done in vain. Out of here, I told the guy that I didn't want to have the baby. I wasn't ready to be a mom. I was really young. So he took me me to a clinic in Wichita, Kansas. And let me tell you, (laughs) if you have watched the movie Unplanned, oh my goodness, everything in it is so true. Now I see and understand that their job was to increase the number of abortions at their clinics. As I experienced all of that myself. Once I was at the clinic, I started doubting the decision I had made. And I was thinking to just walk away. But they talked me into it. (laughs) Hi... So they talked me into finishing the process. They even explained to me how I was too early in the pregnancy and that there was not even a baby form yet. Um, They even mentioned how young I was and that I had a life ahead of me, uh, that this was the best decision for me to take. I believed them. So I went ahead and did it. And within 30 minutes, I was out of the clinic and on my way back to Manhattan. After all the pain I went through for weeks, for even months and years, both physically and mentally, I promised myself that this will be a secret that I will take with me to death and nobody will ever find out. A few months later, not only the program that I was in school to finish both my bachelor's and my master's together fell apart, but also this guy broke up with me. This is when I hit rock bottom. School and this guy were my everything, and all I wanted to do was die. After spending weeks trying and wanting to die, dealing with all of this alone, I knew I needed something stronger to get me up. I knew I needed God. Back home, I had met a lady at school who always told me about God and how he was a personal and loving father. Her name is Rhonda Kinzer. I called her and shared with her about the story, uh, like how I was struggling at school, how the program had fallen through. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of my mentor. And I was only eight credits away from graduating with my master's. So I had to drop that and just about the breakup that I was going through. And I asked her for help only God knew why he brought this lady into my life. She has now become my spiritual mom. Being led by the Holy Spirit, she helped me to find Blumont. Like literally, she did an online search, and she was like, I think you should go visit Bloomont. Well, I got connected to Jenny. Um, I started Bible, stu- Bible studies, and within a month or so, I had decided to give my life to Christ and make him the Lord and Savior of my life. I still remember that night vividly how I arrived with the mindset to that Bible study that I didn't need to share my past. Um, I just needed to accept Christ and move on. Um, but as soon as we started praying, the Holy Spirit was prompting me to confess my sin so that I could be set free from all the pain, the guilt, and the shame I was carrying. After wrestling with God, I did it. And all the, fe- the weight that I was carrying, it had been lifted. Also that night, I had a vision of purple curtains being destroyed by lightning, which was a reminder of the holy place that had been destroyed after Jesus died. And this was a reminder for me to, to know that God was there for me, that I could come to him directly. I didn't need anyone to intercede for me. At the time, I thought that me confessing my sin to that small group of friends was all I needed to do. So I pressed it down again like it had never happened. My life was radically changing, <laughs> and all these changes were not pleasing my parents. Of course, up to this day, they don't know my story. Um, Especially, they were not being pleased because I was walking away from the Catholic Church. I remember one day, my dad telling me, in my face, how disappointed he was of me. And for me, my life was about pleasing them, so those were words that really hurt me. So I decided to walk away from (laughs) Bluemont. And just go back to do whatever I needed to do to please them again. I stopped coming to church. I stopped attending Bible studies. And one day, my good, tough, and persistent friend, Amber, literally came and knocked on my door and confronted me about it. That day, we had a long conversation, and she spoke truth into my life. I am forever grateful for that day because she fought for me when I had given up on God and even on myself. Here is when I decided to make God the first and most important person in my life, even before my own parents. After Amber moved away, Reagan became the tough and persistent friend that God knew I needed. And that's why it's so important that she's not here today. <laughs> but know that she will be back, she will be here in person, and she will hear this story. <laughs> and I'm here today to honor her, to share with you everything that she has done for me. I should say that we were planning when we were timing ourselves to make sure that we didn't go over an hour. I told him like, just make sure you count all the tears. <laughs> <sighs> I remember the day that Reagan and I met at Radinas, and God was prompting me to tell my story with her, to share my story with her, and I was in complete denial. But she kept asking, "Is there anything that you would like to share with me?" Like if she knew, you know. <laughs> So I ended up telling her I did it. I told her my whole story, and then she invited me to attend Restore, Women's Restore. But this time, I knew that God had forgiven me, but hadn't been able to forgive myself, or I didn't even know that I needed to do that. Through the time of growing in Christ and reaching out to others. The enemy always had a hold of me. When I would try to step up and be a leader, our other young girls would look up to me. The enemy made sure that I would remember what I had done. And how I was not worthy or even capable of helping others or even leading them. Every time that people would share their, testimon- their, sal- their salvation testimonies, the enemy would always trick me into comparing myself with them. And how I was the worst in the room. How I was alone on this sin. That no one had ever done this before. It was just me. I always believed that I was alone on this horrible sin. That no other person was able to kill their own child. But it wasn't until I attended Women's Restore... That God showed me that I was wrong, as other women shared their stories with us. And I saw that I was not alone in this, as I had believed it for this whole time. It was that night, the first night a Woman's Restore, that I was able to forgive myself. I said it aloud I forgive myself. while well, Reagan was behind me, praying for me. Let me tell you, that night I took away my freedom from the devil's hands. And I still, remember I still knew that there would be more healing to do, but this time I was ready to face it, and not just to shove it, out, shove it in. we read reading Ephesians 2, 8-9. Uh, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't Take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. So, after I had this life changing experience at Women's Restore, um, a few weeks later I went back home and I visited Rhonda. As you remember, Rhonda Kinzer, my spiritual mom. By now, it had been over five years since we had known each other, and I hadn't shared my my whole story with her yet. I remember that day when I pulled up to her driveway, and God told me, you're sharing your testimony with her today. Of course I laughed, and I I said, heck no. While we were having dinner that night, Rhonda shared with me how God had asked her to leave her job at the school as a counselor, to start a full-time ministry. Then she said that it was time for me to hear her personal story. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like I said, we had known each other for five years. Long story short, she shared with me that when she was 15 years old, she found herself pregnant, and she had made a decision that has impacted her life for years. Yes, she also had an abortion. That moment, God reminded me of all the teachers and other friends that would talk to me about Jesus. And for me, I had this Catholicism pride that will always have a wall built up. And only with Rhonda, she was able to break this down. And I knew why. Because she would be able to walk me through what I was going through. So that day, we both cried so much. Um, If you have met Rhonda, you might know that she's like me. We cry a lot. We like to cry. (laughs) So having herself walk through this path, she was able to guide me to walk through my healing, forgiveness. And even though she was not physically here, Rhonda and Reagan are the people that were there for me to make sure that I kept going forward. Randa and Reagan since then became not only my mentors and my closest friends, but also my rock and my biggest support system, even until this day. Um, and let me tell you, the process of healing is so painful, but it's so worth it. I remember one day Reagan prompting me to share my testimony with a golly guy friend. Because she knew that I was so terrified of doing so. Guess who was my best friend at the time? Yeah, Richie. (laughs) Um, This was way before we had feelings for each other. We developed a beautiful friendship. And it was easier because when our friendship started, we had set up a rule that we would be only just friends, no feelings involved. So that made it even easier for me, like, oh, he's godly, he's a godly guy, and no feelings involved, so that's going to be easier to share my story. After hours (laughs) uh, that I was there, I told him I wanted to share my full testimony, but not wanting to do it, you know? I finally did it. And when I shared my testimony with him, his response was something that I could not have imagined. He hugged me. He prayed. He prayed with me, and he reminded me to keep my head up because I had been redeemed, and that's not who I was anymore. And well, now, you know the, the story. Um, we started dating. We confessed our feelings for each other, and we now have been married for over two years. Every time the God prompts me to share my testimony, I always go ahead and tell him, like, oh, dude, I think I should share my testimony hoping that he's going to say, like, oh, no, there's no need for you to do that. Like, just forget about it. But no, he's always pushing me. Like I said, even through this week, I was like, no, we should talk about something else. And he's like, no, you should share your testimony. So he's seriously my biggest support when it comes to talking about my past. And because he wants me to share the glory that God has brought in my life with all of you, or that the glory goes for him. And I should say that Rhonda's full-time ministry that she started is called Rochelle's Place. It's a ministry designed to help women who have undergone an abortion. And I have the blessing to be a board member in that ministry alongside with my best friend and my husband. It has been a process of healing, and God has shaped the person I am today through his salvation, his love his forgiveness and freedom. I am still a work in progress, but God has been faithful to me in all the ways possible, especially when it comes to the lies the enemy uses to try to get a hold of me once again. And let me tell you, as we're going through the season of moving, oh my goodness, I heard that we always have to remember that the enemy is not creative so he only has that one thing to get a hold of you. And he will w- he will always be using the same thing, just changing it around to get you in. So a lot of the lies that the enemy has always put in my heart are the first one, that I was never going to get married, that no man would want to be with me for what I had done. But God is so faithful, and he blessed me with the most loving, patient, caring, and supportive man, who's standing, or not standing, sitting, <laughs> right next to me as I'm sharing my story with you. Another lie was that because I killed my my child in order to be a successful in school, that I was going to be a failure because I deserve that. But God's faithfulness and grace has made it possible for me to finish my Ph.D. in chemistry and now has blessed me with a job Akayumere at the Cancer Biology Institute. Um, another lie is that I will never have kids on my own because I killed the one that God had sent me. But God has promised me, and He have been prophesied that I will not only have biological kids, hopefully soon, uh, but also <laughs> spiritual. <laughs> uh, um, another lie is that I shall never share my story with anyone because I will be judged, condemned, and not accepted and i 'm here i 'm sharing my story with you to give God the glory that He deserves. God has forgiven me, redeemed me, and he continues to shape sh- to shape me into the woman, the wife, the leader the scientist, and the mother that he has created me to be. The Bible verse that I take to heart, especially during this season, is Joshua five. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live, for I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. <sighs> and that's my story. <laughs>
0: Wow. <laughs> wow. Always shakes me up when I hear it. Um so one something we wanted to touch on uh again is can we go back to that joint generations uh <coughs> slide So I meant to can we go to that joint generation slide I think it's like the second second slide the third. third one yeah. there you go Um so I meant to <laughs> read this at the beginning but completely forgot Uh so joint generations go farther and this is you can find this on the org page um under core values uh the faith is Further, each generation takes what it has learned and passes it on. Younger generations need older generations, and older generations need younger generations. And I think this for us. I mean, we. I mean, we also physically, you know, older people. I mean, older generations, younger generations. Um, we've definitely um, lived that the the last couple of years, and I think Delia lived that even a little bit more in her testimony. But I think it's also a spiritual generation. Um, you know, the the wisdom that's shared with you, I think it's our our duty and our purpose to also share it with, with the next generation. You know, someone that maybe just be beginning to walk in their faith. And I think that's more of of where my testimony was that, um, you know, John wasn't, he wasn't much older than I was. But he was a lot wiser than I was, especially when it came to. To the things of 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 Christ and the truth that that God has, um, so he was able to share that as well. Um, and then in doing so, you know, I was able to share that with uh, with John, little John. Um, you know, the little thing that I knew, um, you know, that that I've gone through. You know, I was able to share that that wisdom with him um, So we wanted to you know touch up on that, and and Abdullah is going to touch up on one more one more point.
1: So on that, about older generations, whether it's spiritually or age-related, um, this is a whole different story, but briefly I'll share with you uh, just a reminder that this also applies within your family, especially for college kids. Um, so Jose, if you have him, he's my youngest brother, and he has witnessed uh, God moving in my life. Not too long ago, he asked me for forgiveness and confessed that he was the biggest reason why my parents acted or reacted as bad as they did. Out of jealousy, he wanted to take the place that my dad had me in a pedestal. So he will talk badly about them, about the changes that I was going through. But God's faithfulness has changed his heart. He has now accepted Christ as his Lord and Savior, and he is now a man after and, uh, after God's own heart. And just like that, uh, just like we do, how we both have a personal relationship with Christ, he is now reaching out to my family, to my parents, and he is bringing, like, the domino effect. Um, so we are believing that our whole family one day have a per- will have a personal relationship with Christ. So just an encouragement for everyone here. If your parents are not with you, um, walking in the same faith, or have a personal relationship with Christ, you will bring that to them. So you will be that testimony um, by sharing your life and what God has done for you. Um, so again, again, like it's not only older generations sharing wisdom into us, but younger generations also sharing the wisdom with the older ones. And the second point is that it's important to remember that just with like any other relationships, this is a two-way relationship where both ends should be invested and intentional with each other. So not just giving all the time or taking all the time, but it has to be mutual. So I think now we're done.
0: <laughs> Thank you.